Okay, so uh, today's daf is Lamed Chet. We pick up, we're continuing with the discussion of Mitzvah Sotzlis Ba'aret. And we were discussing Chadash, which we're going to continue to discuss today. I should mention that Charlie sent out an email. Um, that First of all, I was right that the winter wheat refers to the wheat that's uh, basically like planted in the fall, growing over the winter, and uh, comes and basically begins to be harvested around the spring. And that's a Chadash, and that the Omer works for that. You never have a Chadash problem, because by the time it's ready to come to market, the Omer's already bought, and the Omer is brought once it's already taken root. It takes root over the winter. The problem is spring wheat, because spring wheat is planted after, in the spring, after the Omer is brought, takes root after the Omer is brought, comes to market around Rosh Hashanah time, and that stuff does not have, uh, is, you know, has the, is usher until uh, until Pesach, until until the Omer is brought. So anyway, the email that, uh, the uh, facts that Charlie sent out, it seems that in the States, like 70 to 80 percent is winter wheat. So the argument that Rove is the Yashan is correct but there is differences in terms of the gluten content and other types of things so sometimes you have to find out like some all-purpose flours might be a mix some types of wheat are specifically one type and the other the other like it's not just random they actually have different qualities which is why by the way that pizza dough is pretty much always uh, always Yashan um, that's why it's easy for these pizza so places why? to be because of the sort of rising qualities like it's chosen of, of, uh, to be the winter of the winter wheat so the winter wheat is the thing that gets you out of the Kaddish Well, the winter wheat is not Kaddish because it's right, because it's already taken root by then, uh, you know, and hasn't come to market yet by the time that the Omer is brought. Now, how come no one deals with this? There's a major contradiction between all these Sukhis and Kohelet. I don't know if they said Ein Kaddish. Oh, there you go. Okay, very good. Uh, <laughs> Somebody, like the no, no, you cannot be, I mean, if, so they, if they're mixing it up, then you're not being Mephatel Then you can buy it if it's a mixer? You, uh, well, then comes a problem because then it would be question is that Chodesh actually but it's not only Shishim it's, uh, it's, it's also B'mashu because it's Tavash Yishlo Matirim so Tarovas really wouldn't be good you would need to argue you know that's sort of like a Kol De Parish Meruva Parish type of an idea it's complicated alright let's continue the Gemara now picks up where today's office is Lamed Chet but we pick up on Lamed Zayin Amud Bet and it says the following um, we had the teaching of Rabbi Yishmael exactly around this because by Chodesh it says um, it says Zalechem Echali B'Kolo so, does that mean wherever you dwell, even in Chutz Laaretz, which is what the uh, Rebbe Eliezer here holds, um, or and that's one, or is it like, like the Tanakhama holds? No, it means after you settled, and that's the position of Rebbe Yishmael, like about the Nesachim, that Moshevotechem means after you've settled into the land. So now the Gemara is going to bring, bring another an opposite opinion taught from the house of Rebbe Yishmael that says the opposite. Bechomosh means wherever you dwell, not once you've settled. So that's what we pick up. The Gemara says like this: Amar Baye, lines up with Baye, about twelve lines down. Amar Baye, on Lamed Zayin Amud Bet. Hi, Tana Debei Rabbi Shmuel, Mapik Meidach Tana Debei Rabbi Shmuel. The following Tana from the House of Rabbi Shmuel is sort of rejects the uh, other teachings from the House of Rabbi Shmuel. So there's two contradictory teachings from the House of Rabbi Shmuel. Um, what's this Tana? Um, the Tana Debei Rabbi Shmuel. We talk from the House of Rabbi Shmuel. Hold the name of it via Ketorah Stam. Since it's all often speaks of Kitavo El Haaret, 
without clarifying. And in one place it speaks about after you've settled, okay, um, which is what? Which is, um, which is, uh, we'll take a look. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, by the king. It says, So that's not just the word of Moshotechen, that's explicitly, right, taking possession of it and settling into it, which is the concept that we're going to, we link to Bechom Moshotechen. So he says, in one place it explicitly says that, Whenever it says Kitavau, even without Bechomosh Vatechem, any Kitavau means after you've settled in it and, um, and um, you know, after you've settled and possessed it, after the 14 years. Okay? So therefore, um, so before we said that you needed the word, so this isn't, I'm sorry, I think I misframed it. This isn't a question of whether Bechomosh Vatechem means everywhere after you've settled. This is whether you need the word Mosh Vatechem to mean after you've settled. But what we taught yesterday was only when it says when you come and or Eretz Moshvotechem doesn't mean you've settled. This says every time the Torah refers to coming into the land, it means not as soon as you cross over the Yardain, but it means after the first 14 years. Is this Klal in other words, it's Stah, no. and then it's Pireh. Um, is, that is that a similar line? Yeah, that's interesting, but, it's, but, but the, the, the hermeneutic here is uh, Binyanav, that we have one example in the Torah, uh, so you're right, in a way, in this case, it clarifies, it's true, right. it clarifies that entry does not mean entry immediately, it's the specific circumstances of settling, but then it serves as a Binyanav for elsewhere. Okay? Yep. So, anyway, so this is the issue, not what Bechomosh Vatecha means, but whether we normally assume when it speaks about something applies when you enter the land, so we automatically assume it means after you've settled the land or does it mean as soon as you cross into the land okay the Edoch the other town of the Bay Rebbe Shmael that says that it has to say Moshvotechem to mean after you've settled no you cannot use this as a binyanav as a paradigm because there's another pasuk where it also spells it out and again as we, we've learned when it makes two things explicit they're to be understood as exceptions okay so by the Bikurim what does it say by the Bikurim it says Vayaki and it says, you know, uh, exactly. So since in two places it clarifies that entry after you've settled, it means when it normally talks about entry without clarifying, it means only entry. The Edach and the other would say, no, it has to tell me both places that it needs to be settled, but they're not to be read as exceptions. The Ikaz of Rachmana Melech, had it just said king, I mean, I would have said, I would have said, okay, the general rule is anytime it says entry, it means after you've settled. But by Bikurim, I would have said, there it means literally as soon as you walk in, because you immediately get the benefit of the fruit. So therefore, I had to clarify, no, 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 this fits the rule. This also is only after you've settled. But the clarification is not to tell you it's an exception, to tell you, no, 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 this is also part of the rule. Because of Bikurim, had it said by Bikurim, it means after you've settled, the locus of Melech and not a king, Haviamina, Melech, the Darko Lichvosh, La Alter. I would have said, of course, the whole first 14 years are conquering and settling the land. So, of course, you need a king at the beginning, not after. Oh, first settle the land, then make yourself a king. We need the king to, uh, to, to wage the wars. Okay? So, therefore, I had to spell out that no, even the king, that's only after you've settled the land. But both, the reason it spells it out is to clarify, but not to say they're exceptions, they're still part of the rule. 
the idach, and the one that says no, that they are that that it says it twice makes some exceptions. The rule is kitav is that normally it it means immediately. He would say back nichtav rachmanam melech velo bikurim. Look, I could have just read written king king. I you know, and then I could have inferred bikurim. Va'anamin and I would say uma melech tilichvo If the king that you normally need a king to conquer the land, and even that is only after you've settled bikurim lokoshkin. How much more so bikurim should only be after you settled. And since it spells out Bikurim, that's to teach me that those are the exceptions. But the general rule is as soon as you enter the land. The Edach, the other would say back, It would be like Chala, because by Chala we know that Chala actually applies immediately. Because by Chala, it doesn't say Kitavo, it says Bevoachem. And the Gemara learns out elsewhere that the Bevoachem by Chala, Chala does apply immediately when you enter the land. So I would have said Bikurim would be like Chala. They're called the same type of a thing. You know, they're both the first gift to the Kohen and so on. So therefore, that's why I would have said that even though the rule is after you've settled, I would have said Bikurim would have followed Chala, Kamash Malon, that it's not that way. Okay? So that was, again, a little bit, uh, a little, a little off of our immediate topic, but just to sort of clarify, what we have is the following. We have, but we have the we have the you know we have the key tavo you know plus eretz moshvotechem moshvotechem or bechol moshvotechem bechol moshvotechem right so that Rabbi Rabbi Yishmael says that that means well but both he says because this is chadash okay and this is nesachim okay and that Rabbi Yishmael says after the first 14 years okay and that's what that's that's that time of the baby but you need both you need the kitavo and the moshvotechem and only that means after the first 14 years after you should be yeshiva as opposed to this Rabbi Shmuel says any kitavo automatically means all kitavo just by itself means after for, after the first 14 years after Yerusha Yeshiva. okay so that's what the debate is and where did it say kitavo by itself okay so that's so that's the general debate is it kitavo plus moshvotechem or just kitavo and the question is whether you learn it out from the paradigm of 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 Bikurim what do you call it of uh, Bikurim and Melech by Melech it says what does it say now I forgot what does the Pesach say by Melech Ki Tavo El Haaretz Yivishta right Ki Tavo El Haaretz Yivishta that's Melech and what does it say by Bikurim Yishtah, 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 Yishtah. See, same thing. Kitavo. Yeah, it also says it here. Okay, same thing. Okay, so those are the two places where it says Kitavo and Yishtah. So anyway, the question is, is Kitavo enough to tell you Yerushah Yeshiva? So one says it is. Okay, that's not Shnei Surabhan Kechad. Each one was necessary. And the other says, no, those are exceptions and Kitavo is not enough. You needed to explicitly say Virishta or Moshvotechem, etc. Okay, so that's the general question whether these things apply right away or whether they apply after 14 years. Mm-hmm. But for us, what is relevant in terms of the Chadash issue is in this, is that most, according still within this, regardless of which approach you take, Moshvotechem means after you've settled, as opposed to a very different read, which is that Moshvotechem means wherever you dwell, which would mean that Chadash applies in Chutzah. What was the last point about the Chalash? Yeah, that Chala does take place immediately. Because of the Pasuk by Chala, it says, Bevoachem, which is read to mean immediately. So I would have thought that since Chala takes place immediately, Bikurim takes place immediately, and therefore, 
and, and therefore I would have thought, therefore the fact that it says it a second time by Bikur Yishka does not signal that it's an exception it is the rule it's just telling me don't put Bikurim with Chala well, why would you say the same thing about Milach then? no because Bikurim and Chala are essentially the same thing they're both same types of yeah they're both, they're, they're both Matanot they're both called Truma they both go to the Kohen they both have the same status okay so now the Gemara says like this um, okay the Hashta says to Gemara uh, where were we? Okay. Um, Fine. Now we've got the idea that personal obligations apply in Chutzaret. Now we've got to get back to this question that we raised, which is, why does it say it by Shabbos? First of all, it can't mean after you've settled the land, Shabbos applies, right? Because Shabbos applied right away. Anyway, else says, well, you know, you know, so why does it say What's the relevance of that? Um, if Moshev normally, I mean, if Moshev meant anywhere you dwell, we understand it. But if Moshev normally means um, after you've settled the land, what is the point of saying the word Moshev by Shabbos? It's completely inappropriate. Okay, so the Gemara says, uh, Moshev the Kosovo Hanu B'Shabbos Lamali, right? Shabbat hi l'Hashem b'chol Moshevotechem is the Pesach by Shabbos. So, Lamali, Itzrech, I need it. Tzalgadayt Ramina, ho binyana de Moedos Ksiva, since it's written in the same parsha there in Emor with the other Moadim, so Tivai Kiddush Kimodos. Maybe it would need Kiddush Chodesh, like the Rosh, like you know, like all the other Moadot, because they're tal- they, they depend on when Rosh Chodesh is established. So maybe you would have to, even though Shabbos occurs every the same day every week, maybe you'd have to say like Mekudosh Mekudosh to make it into Shabbos. Kamash Mulan was Kamash Mulan. That there, since it says Bchomosh Votechem, it means outside of Israel. You know where it's where you know Kiddush Chodesh happens in Israel. So Bchomosh Votechem is emphasizing that this has no dependence on what goes on in the land of Israel and it applies automatically without any aspect of sanctifying it that's why it's emphasizing it because obviously I know it's Bechol Moshe Vatechem we make Kiddush and Rasavekia because the whole idea about how the Kiddush we make does like add some human level of Kiddusha but nevertheless in, prin- in principle you don't need it so that's why even though yes it is obvious it applies everywhere the Torah still had to say Bechol Moshe okay now we're going to go through other places the Torah talks about Moshe to understand why it said if we would have anyway known that it applies everywhere. So the Gemara says, by Chelev and Dam, it says, B'chomosh v'otechem. So the Gemara says, uh, where were we? Um... Uh, okay. Uh, uh, it says, don't eat chelav and dam, you know, fat and the blood. So why does it have to say that? Lamely, of course it's true. It's, a, it's, it's not land based. So of course it applies everywhere. So the Gemara says, it's right. Since it's in the context of korbanot. Um, when there's korbanot, then it's forbidden because then it belongs on the mispeach. And when there's not korbanot, no. And maybe at least by the chelav, you see that the chelav of uh, of a chaya doesn't go, isn't doster because that doesn't go on the mispeach. Kamash Milan, that it applies like in all places but also meaning in all times not in the context of the Mikdash there you go see now it's a little so why you need it it's true you need it that fundamentally Matzah is part of the Korban Pesach so therefore only when there's a Pesach and there's not a Pesach not which actually is a very reasonable read of the Pesachim it's a very big question how we know 
matzah applies nowadays without a korban pesach. So here we're saying v'chomot shvatechem again. The combination of everywhere and every time. You know, everywhere means outside of the context, or, or you know, of the Beit Hamikdash. It means even if you're in exile after the korban Beit Hamikdash, when you're not in the land of Israel, even then matzah applies. Of course, the irony is, of course, Murr doesn't apply, and it really is t- dependent on the on the korban pesach and matzah. The Gemara learns that from another pasuk. Yeah, but okay, exactly. Okay, now be of the Remember, we mentioned that the other day when it says that uh, at, when it says by Tfilin and Petachamor it says Kitavoel Aretz. When you come to the land and your child will say, you know, what are these? What is this mitzvah? And you know, Vavata to Rechem Lashem, etc. Anyway, but it's not Petachamor and Tfilin are not limited to coming into the land. So why does it say when you enter the land? So who me violate the Chetanya like we did by Rabbi Shmuel again? Rabbi Shmuel teaches, Asay mitzvah zo do this mitzvah or these mitzvah. That on its merit you will enter into the land. So the idea of mentioning bikurment fillin is that not that that only applies when you enter the land, but that petachamor. Excuse me, what did I say? I'm sorry, petachamor and fillin. I meant to say before. Anyway, petachamor and fillin is not that you only do it when you enter the land, but it merits you entering in the land. Why? Why I don't know what's special about those two. Okay, but it's a way of dealing with with the uh, dependency of the pasuk by reversing the dependency. Okay, now we switch back to Chadash, which is our primary focus. Also very relevant, as we've been saying. Now, if Moshe means wherever you dwell, and Chadash applies in Chutz Laaretz, that's really the point. If Chadash applies in Chutz Laaretz, like Rabbi Eliezer says, So now we're talking Yoshua. It says they ate from the, from the produce of the land from the day following Pesach. So that sounds like they were only allowed to eat the day after after Pesach. They only ate the day after Pesach on the 16th of Nisan when there was the Omer. Okay? I don't know if they were bringing the Omer then. They didn't have a you know, they didn't have like a central you know, Mikdash at that stage. But uh, whatever. Anyway, the, according to Chazal, you know, the Omer, the 16th itself is Matya, the eating of Chadash. So on the day after Pesach, on the 16th they ate from the new grain of the land. But they couldn't eat beforehand because it was still Chadash. Alma Akriv Omer. You see the Omer was brought. So the Gemara here actually says it sounds like they did actually bring the Omer. Okay? Um, anyway, so, it, but, but something happened on the 16th. They brought the Omer in the, I guess, the traveling Mishkan and, uh, and that allowed them to eat from the grain of the land the day after Pesach. Alma Akriv Omer. V'hadrech, and then they ate. So now, it's not the question of everywhere versus only in Eretz Yisrael. It's the linked part. Remember, Bechomos Fotechem has two possible meanings by Chadash. One is everywhere, and the other is after you've settled the land. So if it means everywhere, and now they're in Israel. They're eating from Avor Haaretz, from the grain of the land. But that's, but you understand why it was forbidden. Because basically, Chadash applies in all places, and it applies in Israel as soon as you enter the land, and it applies in all grain everywhere. So therefore, they couldn't eat the grain until they brought the Omer. But if, but, but if Eretz Moshe, but if Moshe, but, but if Bechol Moshe by Chadash means after you've settled the land, so that's only after the first 14 years. 
So here they had just entered the land in the time of Yoshua. Why couldn't they eat the grain immediately? Why do they have to wait till the 16th of Nisan? One minute. But if, but if the obligation is only in the land of Israel and only after it's been settled and conquered, conquered and settled, so why not eat immediately? So much as, you know what, they could have, but they just didn't need to. It was just by chance that they waited to the 16th of Nisan. Uh, nothing to do with the Omer. So why did they not need it until then? They ate the man for 40 years until they came to the settled land. They ate until they came to the edge of the land of Canaan. You can't say they actually entered into the land. They ate it until the, until the edge of the land of Canaan, until before they entered the land. You can't say they only ate it until they before they entered the land. Until they it speaks about them having entered the land. So when did they stop eating the ban? Before they entered the land or after they entered the land? Right? Once they actually entered into the land, and Kitsay means they stopped eating it when they were at the cusp of entering it. So which one is it? So how How do you explain it? Beshiva Badar Mes Moshe. Moshe died on the seventh of Adar, which we'll clarify in a minute. And the man stopped coming down. And then, if for 16, until the 16th of Nisan, like a month and a week later, is when they actually entered the land, and that's the verse that says they ate from the grain of the land. So, the man that was left in their vessels, one day's worth of man, satisfied them, you know, for the next 30, uh, 37 days. Okay? So... Well, yes, yeah, so that's how we're going to get the number in a minute, but hold on. But anyway, okay, so therefore, so because we have a verse that says they stopped eating the man before they entered, and a verse that says they stopped eating the man when they entered, we say the man fell, stopped falling, right, when Moshe died, when they were at the cusp of entering, but they continued eating from that last falling of the man until they actually entered the land. Okay, Why, that is relevant, well, that, I guess that was one place where there was not a leftover problem. Well, the problem is that you're not supposed to leave that leftovers, but that was one place apparently where that stopped applying. So anyway, the relevance for us is, is that we say that they were eating the man after they entered the land. So therefore, now there's nowhere tells you how, maybe they have, maybe they stopped, you know, they entered the land before the 16th. We're going to see they basically entered the land on the 10th. Okay, but nevertheless, because we're saying they continued eating the man when they entered the land, it allows us to say that they kept on eating it until the 16th, and when they ate from the grain, it had nothing to do with the Yisr Chadash. It had to just do with the fact that they need the new grain until then. So again, if Chadash applies the Chomosh for Techem everywhere, and therefore also in the land of Israel immediately, then you have to explain, well, why didn't they eat from it immediately? Well, because they had man. But if you say Moshe Techem means only in the land of Israel, um, and, um, wait, did I just say that wrong? wrong. You said the opposite. If it appears immediately, that's what I had to mean. The I'm, sorry, I'm, sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I said it wrong. If, right, because, well, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. If, if Moshe means everywhere, including the land of Israel, and including immediately, that the Yisra Chodesh applied. That's why they needed to bring the Omer. And that's why they only ate from the Man on the 16th after, the, after they brought the Omer. But if Moshe means only in the land of Israel and only after they settled the land, then they really were allowed to eat the grain immediately because the Omer did not yet apply. The, the Chodesh did not yet apply 
but they just didn't because they didn't need it. Now, I want to just say one other interesting thing about Tosus here raises a really good question. Tosus Nimachas Pesach. if you look at Tosus, it's one of the few Tosusim, if not the only one, that quotes the Ibn Ezra. Take a look here on Lamed Zayin, on that same as Tosus, he says, um, Hizkirav Avram Ibn Ezra. So, the, the Ibn Ezra asks, Heichi Amrina Mimachas Pesach Tahacha Havishishasar Benitzah. It's a very nice read to say the day after Pesach, on the 16th of Nisan, they ate the new grain, because they brought the Chodosh, like Mimachas, you know, you know, Mimachas HaShabbos, which we says, which we say means, you know, the day after, uh, the day after, after, after the first day of Pesach. But he says there's a problem. Shemikrav Omer Dilma Mimachas HaPesach not those Dilma Mimachas Shchitas HaPesach Kamar. The Hainu Tetzvah The word Pesach in the Torah means the offering of the Korban Pesach, which was on the 14th. And Machlas HaPesach in the Torah means on the 15th. Okay? So Machlas HaPesach would mean the 15th and the Omer hadn't been brought in. Tachin HaMiyaskan Parshas Masay Dichsiv Mimachas HaPesach Yatsub in Israel Meretz Mitzrayim They left the land of Egypt the day after Pesach means the day after the bringing of the Pesach. On the 15th Vein Yatsub Tetzvav Okay, so that's a really good question. All right, so he says like this. So, so, so Rebbeinu Tam has one answer, but we're going to skip to the nice, the, the better answer. Is that three lines from the bottom? He says like this. Okay. Normally, Machas HaPesach means after the Shechitas HaPesach. It means the 15th, and that's clearly what it means in the Torah. Pesach is the bringing of the Pesach, and Machras is the 15th, is the first day of Yom Tov. Here it means the after the, on the 16th, and Pesach is going to see, we'll see in the same minute, it means the eating of the Pesach, not the bringing. So the bringing was the 14th, but the eating was the 15th. So, well, the night is Halacha. The 15th. It doesn't matter. It's halachically the 15th. So the day after the eating of the Pesach is the 16th. There's the, the way the Torah talks and the way the Nevi'im talks. Because this is the Pesach in Yoshua. And when the, and, uh, normally we say he's inserting so Tosa says, and here's an important point as we're coming into Pesach, Pesach does not mean the Yontav of Chag HaMatzos. So Mimachas HaPesach does not mean the day after the first day of, of Chag HaMatzos. Pesach it only means one thing. It means the Korban Pesach. So Machas HaPesach therefore normally means the 15th. So how can you connect the Pesach about eating the Chadash on the day on the 15th, you know, with the Omer, eating the grain with the Omer. The Omer is on the 16th. So Tosin's answer is, is that we have to say that here it means the day after the eating of the Pesach, not the day after the Shechting of the Pesach. Even though in the Torah it's the emphasis of the Shechting of the Pesach, here it means the day after the eating. But the interesting thing about this as well is that this... What do you mean the 16th? The interesting thing about this as well is that this Pesach is quoted in part of the whole polemics with the uh, Samaritans and later with the Karaites about whether what Mimachas HaShabbos means by the bringing of the Omer. Does it mean after Shabbos? Because I'll say it means after Yantiv, after the first day of Yantiv. So they say, look, see, it means after the first day of Yantiv. Because the Pesach in Yeshua that speaks about them eating
eating the new grain speaks about it being Mimachas HaPesach. So you see that Shabbos here means Pesach. The only problem is, is that, as Tzadzus points out, the Pshad of that Pesukim is that their Pesach means the day after the 14th, not the day after the 15th. So it doesn't exactly, you know, the Pshad of, if you want to bring up proof from Pshad of the Pesukim, that Pshad of the Pesukim don't line up with Chazal either. Okay? So anyway, yes, there was the other question, my Yes, so just to make sure, the... <coughs> The Omer, which is the barley, uh, we said it particularly the wheat and the barley. Yeah. And then the, so the Shei which is Matir, the new flour for Corbono, right? Right. So that was the point of that? Yep. Okay. All right. Okay, everybody got it? So we have a Pesach that sounds like that, 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 at least the way we're reading the Pesach, it sounds like Chodesh applied immediately in Israel, the land of Israel, which would indicate that Moshe Techem means everywhere you are, doesn't mean after it's settled. Okay, but then the, and, the, and so how do you deal with it? So one says, ah, oh, that wasn't about the Omer, that was just about the Man ran out, that was the time the Man ran out. But if you read it about the Omer, you have these other problems with, on the one hand, you could say it lines up with the idea of Machas or Shabbos, meaning the day after Yantiv, but then you've got, and the problem Tosus raises is that Pesach does not mean the Pshad of the word Pesach does not mean the first day of Yantiv, the 15th of Nisan and the Pshad of the word Pesach means the day the Pesach is brought which is the 14th of Nisan the man and grain are aligned well, right right Right, now there's a lechem in Hashemayim. Totally. Okay, so now the Gemara continues. Tanya Ida, we turn to another Brayta. Ubnei Yisrael achu atamana ba'im shana. They ate it for 40 years. V'chi arba'im shana achu? Did they really eat it for 40 years? V'lo arba'im shana chasr shloshim yom achu? It was 40 years minus 30 days, because it only fell, it brought you quotes the Psukim, but it didn't start falling the day they left Mitzrayim. It fell a month later. Okay, what? Oh, come on. So anyway, that wouldn't be any fun. Okay, Ela lomalcha ugocha utzim yimitzrayim. So it was like they ate it for 40 years because the first month before they had man and they were still eating this, the uh, cakes they brought out of Mitzrayim. Okay, interesting because they didn't make chametz because they were too busy baking matzah. So they were too, well, maybe you're right. Maybe it means ugot matzot. Anyway, I don't know if those cakes were chametz stick or matzah dick, but anyway, it tasted like the man. So it was like they ate it for 40 years because the first month it was already a, a like a, 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 what's it called? A foretaste of the Iban. All right, so now the command says like this. Four spice, exactly. Tiny Edo, we've done another brysa. Beshiva Ba'adar Meis Moshe, Beshiva Ba'adar Nolad. He was died on the seventh of Adar and he was born on the seventh of Adar. Minayinja Beshiva Ba'adar Meis. How do you know he died on the seventh of Adar? Shanemar Vayamascha Moshe Evan Hashem. Moshe died there in Arvot Marav. Ikhiva Yifkubin Yisrael at Moshe Arvot Marav Shloshim Yom. He was mourned, he was cried over for 30 days. Ikhiva Yachare Mos Moshe Evan Hashem. And it was after Moshe died, the beginning of Sefer Yoshua. Ikhiva Moshe Avdi Meis, Vatakumavur. Moshe has now died. Go and cross over. So apparently that's 30 days after Moshe's death. Okay. Prepare yourself. Provisions. In three days, you'll cross over the Jordan River. So they came up on the 10th. So basically there was a month of mourning, three days of preparation, and then they uh, crossed the Jordan on the 10th of Nisan. So you subtract from the tenth of Nisan, one month and three days, and you get to the seventh of Hadar. Okay, that was not such a hard computation. Okay, 
So it's same man shloshimish loshayamim lemafreya. Thirty three days, thirty for the morning and three for the preparation. But I don't know. Halamadatet shabeshiva b'adar meis Moshe. He died on the seventh of Adar. Uminat shabeshiva b'adar nola Moshe. How do you know he's born on the seventh? Shenemar vayomer vayomer alehem. Moshe said to them, Ben miav esrim shana anochi hayom. I am one hundred and twenty years old today. Lo chalol dasei solavo. I cannot lo come and go. Shein why do you say today? God fills out the years of the righteous from day to day and month to month. The idea is that somebody it's dictated how many years a person will live and if they're righteous they fill it out the entirety of the year. So they die on the same day they're born they live out the full number of years. The fullness of the year. The, 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 the number of your days I will fill. So, First day of the second year. Yeah, right. The next year. Yeah. Um, wh- wh- if you go to, as your birthday, it's right in the first day of the upcoming year. Uh, I don't know what to say about that. Okay. Tanya, maybe you die before your actual hour first. They were commanded three mitzvot when they entered into the land. We're back to the issue of Chadash, Arl, and Kilayim. So he understands that this is those three. I'm sorry. Well, let's take a look. Um, three mitzvot they were commanded. Um, okay, one minute. Uh, yeah, this is Chadash, Arlan, Kilayim. Um, um, so, so the exact three that we said uh, apply outside of the land of Israel. He said those three applied when they entered the land. So yes, they only, began, they, they only began when they entered the land, but they apply even outside of the land. Okay, so that is Chadash, Orla, and Kilayim. Orla and Kilayim is agreed. Chadash is debated. And he says that all of those three apply. So he also says, like Rabbi Eliezer, that Chadash applies in Chutz Aret. Okay? So what did Shiyinagu? And it makes sense that they should apply out of the land of Israel. Why does it make sense? Umar Chadash and Yisur Yisur Olam and Yisur Yisur Hana V'yashetu Lisuro Noag Bein Barzlein B'chutz Aret He starts with the presumption that Chadash applies outside of the land. Why? Because that's how he says B'chom Hoshvotechem means wherever you dwell. So Chadash applies outside of the land. Now Chadash of those three is the weakest of those three. Why is it the weakest of those three? Number one Ain Yisuro Yisur Olam It doesn't remain usher. The grain that started off as chadash comes the omer and then it becomes mutter. So it's not a permanent isser. Number two, you can't eat it, but you can get hanaf from it. Number three, it becomes permissible. Now, what does it mean it becomes permissible? How is that different than any suro isuro lam? So Rashi says it means, it's a little complicated. It tells us a lot of explanations what that means. But anyway, Rashi says what it means is, it's not isuro lam because it stops, it, 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 it doesn't apply after the day of the 16th. It, once it's the day of the, once it's the 17th of Nisan, it's mutar. And not only that, if you bring the Omer, it becomes mutter even on the 16th itself. So Yeshet Oli Suro is sort of like a variation. A day early. A half a day early. Okay? But anyway, Tosas has a couple other explanations what Isuro Lam means. Anyway, going on, he says, um, and anyway, it has all those leniencies, and even with that fact that it's a weak prohibition, it applies even out of the land. Kilayim, she Isuro Isuro Lam. Kilayim is always Asur. Kilayim, I thought we were talking about Orla. And we're going to get to Orla. The Isuro and Isuro, did I skip a line? 
No. Visuran isurhana'a, you can't derive benefit from kilayim. Veinetzuli isuran, also doesn't become permissible. Einodinshino binbarat bimachutas, how much more so should that apply in chutzaret? Vuadin l'orla b'shayim, and orla has two of those three. What are the, what are the, what is the one that it does, that it's, it, that it's, uh, has, uh, that it doesn't have? It's not so, so, right, it's not, rather than it's not asr li'olam. Of course, Tosa says, I don't understand. The fruit that grew in the first three years is asr li'olam. The, tr- the tree isn't asr li'olam. Concept. The tree becomes permissible. The fruit of the tree becomes permissible in the fourth year. So something like that. Anyway, so therefore he says we start with the fact that chadash applies in chutzlarts and these two also. So not only does he say chadash applies in chutzlarts, it sounds like he's saying that the issue of oral and kilaim in chutzlarts is doraisa. Right? We were saying the other day that it's only dorabanan halach lemoshem isinai. He's sounding like it's doraisa. Chadash is doraisa in chutzlarts. And these two as well. Now, of course, the, the Tosa has the obvious question. If you look at Tosa, Tosa says, V'im Tomar, the last Tosa, on Lama Chet, Tevo v'trumo maser, ne'elif kavachomer, t'chadash no'en b'en b'artvein b'chutzar, so b'men matzinu. So if that's true, just say all the agricultural mitzvah supply in chutzaret, based on the kavachomer from chadash. Right? It's a good question, yes? Where if, you, if you're using Chodesh as a Kavachomer, it just applies to everything. Kareh says, so it's Isura, Isura, Lamein, Hetzel, Isura, Boda, Tevum, Truma, V'yesh, Lomar, Shapa, Vlamet, Chen, Hetzel, it says, Di'igol, Mitzvach, Ma'al, Chodesh, Tein, Eino, B'She'ela, Tamrani, Sheyeshen, B'She'ela, so he has different types of answers, but Sheyla being because you can do, you can go to a Chacham and say, I changed my mind, I didn't want to take Truma on this part of the, of the, of the, of the grain, you know, I want to take Truma on different grain, not on this grain, because Truma is a Hafla'at, like a Neder, right? So therefore, since you could sort of reverse your taking of Truma, that somehow, basically, another way of saying that is that Truma and Maisa and all those things get their status through a human act. Whereas Chadash gets the status, you know, independent of your act. You make something true in Maser. Anyway, why that should be a basis of a difference is not clear. But the question is more interesting, I think, than the answer, which is, if you're using, until now we said, everything has to be taken separately. We start by the presumption that anything agricultural is only in the land of Israel, and if you want to make any exceptions, you have to prove the exceptions. And Chadash, we're debating, and early in Kilai, maybe is a, is a, min, is a Durabanan, or Halach Lemosh now we're saying Chadash is Doraisa out of Israel and everything we'll learn from a Kalvachomer from Chadash so then it really like opens up a Pandora's box that say everything applies in Chutzaret okay anyway one minute so that's one minute that's Rabbi that's, that's Rabbi Shem Bar Yochai Rabbi Lezer Rabbi Shem Omer Rabbi Lezer his son says anything that applied before they entered in the land is not dependent on the land and therefore it applies out of the land but if it only applied once they entered the land like Chadash Arlan Kilayim it only applies in the land of Israel so I guess he disagrees with his father and he says you're wrong Chadash Arlan Kilayim anything that only began once they entered in the land is clearly limited to the land right right with the exception of annulling the debts on Shemitah and sending free the slaves on the Yovel 
even though it says there that it applies once you enter into the land it applies whether in or out of the land okay so basically the debate here we'll talk about Shemitah and, and, and Avadim in a minute but the debate is right it basically is a way of reframing the issue of the Mishnah Chadash Orl and Kilayim are things that are land dependent so one way of the way it's being framed here Michael is correct it's not that they were commanded once they entered the land it means that the command began to be applicable once they entered to the land these things are land dependent they should be limited to the land of Israel which is what Rabbi Eliezer Shimon says however his father Shimbar Yochai says no there are a few things that only applied once they entered in the land that are land dependent but once they began to apply applied even in outside of the land and that is the things mentioned in the Mishnah Hadash Arlan Kilayim and he seems to say Reb Shimon that it applies even do right to out of the land whereas Rebbe Eliezer the son of Reb Shimon seems to completely reject that they apply outside the land of Israel yes Michael these things aren't exactly all the same because Hadash applies to the grain that the non-Jews um Planted, planted, and killing too, right? So not killing like, uh, like, right. you know, whatever. Whereas Orla is, is only a few planted. In other words, right? This is Mitzatenko Itzma. Yeah, I hear your point, but that was the Tosos we dealt with yesterday. The Tosos actually points out, based on the Yerushalmi, that the Yerushalmi seems to feel that everything mentioned in the Mishnah applies even from non-Jews so at least that was exactly the tosos we dealt with yesterday. Yeah, okay, yes. What did you say previously about contradicting your father? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly, exactly. Okay. So now the Gemara says like this. Now, okay. So we have a debate of Chadash Arlan Kilayim. Do they apply in Chutz Laaretz? And if so, is it Daraisa Daraban? And what's its status? But now we also look at why do they have to say that Shiluch Avadim and Hashmatos Ksafim apply even in Chutz Laaretz, even if the even if the Torah speaks about when you enter the land, but those are not land-based mitzvot. Shouldn't those obviously apply in chutzlarts? Why did you even have to spell that out? Right? Other things say when you enter into the land, right? It speaks about, like we said before, tefillin, petrachamor. There are things that the Torah says when you enter the land, but we are working with the assumption that the phrasing when you enter the land is not in itself significant. It has to be a land-based mitzvah, right, based on the dirt, on the soil, in order to think that it's limited to the land. So why does he say have to point out that these two are not limited to the land. Obviously they're not. They're not soil related. So the Gemara said, let's take a look at the Gemara. So the Gemara says like this. Uh, knowing loans, that's a personal obligation. Of course it applies outside of the land of Israel. No. We need it for what we teach in the Brisa. This is the law of the Shemitah. Shemot, you shall like release all of your loans. So why did it say Hashemitah Shemot? It's talking about two types of Shemitah. One is releasing the land, okay, or, you know, not working the land, and the other is releasing the loans. When you don't work the land, then you don't, then you, then you annul the loans. If there's a time when Shemitah does not apply, when would Shemitah not apply? Before you entered, let's say, the land of Israel, or let's say, when there's no, when you're exiled, when there's no Yovel, okay, without Yovel, there's no Shemitah, okay, and there's only Yovel if most 
of the Jews are living in the land of Israel. So for various reasons, Shemitah isn't applying. There's no annulling of loans. So since, well, we're going to see. But since the annulling of loans is dependent on the practice of the, of the Shemitah of the land, so now you're seeing what, we, what I would have thought. Therefore, I would have thought, um, the Ema, I would say, so I would have logically said, therefore, maybe the Shemitah of loans only applies biblically in the land of Israel. Since it only applies when, there's a, uh, when there is Shemitah of Karka, maybe it's the, the geog- geographically it only applies where there is Shemitah of Karka. Which, by the way, is a very reasonable read of the Psukim. Right? Shemitah is something that takes place in the land of Israel. Everybody, right? But anyway, but the point is, it's an experience of Israel, right? Of the, you know, of the Shemitah year in Israel. So out of Israel, maybe there would be no releasing of loans. So therefore, um, no, the Shemitah has been declared for God. Here, Bechol Makom literally means Bechol Makom. means regardless, but here it means Shem. Oh, does say mean Bechol Makom? Oh, well. But Bechol Makom here also means Bechol Makom. Anyway, regardless, you know, even though it's, even though you're not in the land of Israel, there's an idea that Shemitah applies everywhere. Shemitah applies regardless of the Shemitah, uh, an aspect of Shemitah applies regardless of the Shemitah's karka, and that is the annulling of loans. That being said, I should say that you know that there's like, um, in the time of the um, Rishonim, some people were extremely lenient not even to bother writing a prisbo, and the Rishonim had to deal with the fact about how come if there's this mitzvah of Shemitah's Ksafim, and the only way you get around it is writing a prisbo, how come people completely ignore prisbo, or they just do a tiny trivial thing that they shouldn't really count, and according to a number of Rishonim, Shemitah's Ksafim outside of the land of Israel, not only is only a Durabana nowadays, but is only like a Minig Chasidus, you know, so there actually is, the Havamin of this Gemara is not so crazy, there are some Rishonim that actually think that Shemitah's Ksafim really is limited to the land of Israel, okay, when Shemitah is Nohag, now we have two things, we're in Chutz and Shemitah isn't Nohag, okay, but according to Rabbi Shimon, according to Rabbi Lezab, Rabbi Shimon, it's not dependent, and even in the Chutz and even when there's no Shemitah's Karka in the land of Israel, well, no, actually, I'm sorry, there are two things, Nowadays, he would probably say that it's Durabanan because he says it is dependent on the practice of Shemitah's Karka in Israel. Okay? So nowadays, if you don't have a Yovel and you don't have Shemitah's Karka in Israel at a Doraisa level, so if there's no Shemitah's Karka at a Doraisa level, there's also no Shemitah's Ksafim. That dependency he does have. That it only applies when there is Shemitah's Karka in Israel. Okay? But, but, but if there is Shemitah in Israel, then for him, Shemitah's Ksafim applies in Chutzla Aret at a Doraisa level. Okay, so it requires the practice of Shemitah's Kark in Israel, but it is not limited geographically to Israel, and that's what he, the Pesach is teaching. That's his so, opinion, though. Right. That's his opinion. So now, so now that's number one. Agree, Possibly, correct. Now, well, the minimum, and that's what I was saying, is that you would need there to be the Yova would have to be practiced, and for the Yova, it says Ukrasim Yoshveha to all its inhabitants, which means Bezmancha Kol Yoshveha Leha. So according to the Gemara you need to have at least representatives or if not the majority of all 12 tribes living in Israel you know and each one in its right tribal location so we haven't had Yovel practiced at a Doraisa level since the towards the end of Bait Rishon you know from the time Sancherev exiled the uh, you know the, 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 the 10 tribes okay so now the Gemara says like this um, so that's why I needed the Pesach to tell me that Hashmatas Ksafim applies outside of 
Israel. The other thing that applies outside of Israel is freeing the slaves. Now you ask me, that's a big chiddush too. Right? Did you ever hear the idea that during the Yovel year, if you're living in France and you have slaves, you have to free them? Right? Presumably we think the Yovel year is only, so you know, is, is in Israel. So we actually, the Gemara is going to say this is obvious because it's not land-based, but it actually is a chiddush. So Gemara says, Shiluach Avadim, Chovah Zagufi. Of course you have to free your slaves outside of Israel. That's a personal obligation. That's not based on the soil. So again, this gets to the point I made yesterday, which is that there are some things that are dependent on the land that are national-based, but not soil-based, you know, and the Gemara sort of is ignoring that. Like, the, just the line we said a minute ago, the people know where that phrase usually appears. Usually, I mean, Rabban quotes it, that's how people, I think, know it. Number one is number two is and the third, I think, is okay? That has nothing to do with the soil. That has to do with issues of, like, national identity, right? So this is sort of being highlighted here. Oh, pita, of course you do shiluach avadim outside. It's not pita. It's not soil-based, but it is has to do with, like, a type of a national experience, right? So anyway, it is funny that the Gemara here is only seeing this through the lens of, like, soil-based mitzvot. So the Gemara says, shiluach avadim, of course you do it out of Israel. Chovah zagufi. It's a personal obligation. No, Sagarat, I mean, I would have thought, you shall proclaim liberty throughout the land to all its inhabitants thereof. Ba'aret in Bechutzar's law, it's only a, an experience in the land of Israel, not out of the land of Israel. Talmud Lobar, Yovel he. No, it is the Jubilee year. Mikomakom, regardless, even if you're not living in Israel. So why does it say in the land? Bizman, similar to what we said before about the annulling of loans. Bizman Shadur Noid Ba'aret, knowing when there is freedom proclaimed in Israel, when the Yovel applies in Israel, it applies outside of Israel. If it's not applying in Israel for various reasons, maybe based in didn't sanctify the month, the year, maybe there's not whatever the case might be, so similar to the annulling of loans, it is a extension of the experience in Israel. It has to be taking place in Israel to take place out of Israel. It starts in Israel, but ultimately, it, once it starts, it applies everywhere. Yes. To be fair, in Torah's view, they probably weren't thinking of anyone living outside of Israel. Well, yes, that's exactly the point. That you know, that's what I sort of said before. That's like we discussed the other day about the position sort of of the Ramban that even the Chovas Aguf Mitzvot are primarily seen as like this is where you know exile is national death. Exile is an unnatural state of being. It's not like fundamentally Judaism is a religion. Right? We tend to think of no, Judaism is a religion. It's universal. There's some things that are soil based that you have to be in Israel for. That's not the way the Torah thinks about it. The other thing about it, Judaism is a national identity and the, the Torah and the Mitzvot, not Judaism anyway, the Torah and the Mitzvot are the laws of the Jewish, of, of the Israelite people living in the land of Israel and any other state of being is a, you know, is, is a, uh, is an ab- not only an aberration, it's almost like it's nice. That's the classic argument of Leo Pinsker's order of emancipation. Mm-hmm. living in exile outside of a national entity right. for so many centuries Yes. That we think that that's natural, right? And that's a pathology of Jewish consciousness. There you go. (laughs) Right, right. It's a perverted way of seeing our own identity. Right. So that's what you know. The Ramban says is that any idea that any mitzvahs apply out of Israel is the chiddush. It's not the reverse. It's not to try to figure out which mitzvahs are soil based and apply in Israel. Like why should anything apply out of Israel? Anyway, all right. So the Gemara says like this. 
Tanan Hotham. Now we taught over there in Oral. I read you this mission the other day. Back to Chadash. We're not letting up with Chadash. Tanan Hotham. So you couldn't ask for a better timing of this discussion. All the Kol Mitzvot. First we have a categorizing of all of the various Kinyanim. And like we just take all the Kinyanim and we try to sort of organize them. And then we take Mitzvot and we try to categorize and organize them. This is a type of Kinyan as it were? No. No, no, no. I mean, I, no, I don't think so. Okay. I think we're just trying to like, categorize it. Tanan Hosam. Chodesh is Asher everywhere. As I said, this Mishnah, the Stam Mishnah is Rebbe Eliezer, that Chodesh applies in the Chutzlaret, which is the big halacha question. Do you go by this Stam Mishnah, then Chodesh applies in Chutzlaret? All of halacha, presumably halacha, although we'll see about that in a minute. And Kilayim Idivay Servim, Kilayim is rabbinic. My halacha, so the Gemara asks, what does halacha mean? Amar Rabbi Yehuda Mishmuel, Hilchasa Medina, which is a very interesting answer. Which Rashi says it means it's like a Durabanan. I know what even Hilchasa Medina means. Rashi says Hilchasa Medina means, where's Rashi? Uh, where's Rashi? It's, it almost makes it like a minhag. This is just the practice we have. Well, Dive Sophim is that it's uh, legislated from above. This is just we, pra- we practice. Right. 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 So, Arla, so he says, he, he says it's like, yeah, just the practice, the accepted practice. No, 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 no. It's like a tradition going back to, to Harsinai. It's not a, a pasuk of the Torah, but it's, it's weightier than a drabanan. Amalei Ula, that's normally how we read it. Amalei Ula Rav Yehuda, so Ula said to Rav Yehuda, who said it's Hilchas Medina. I say it's Halach Lamosh Misinai. I say it's Halach Lamosh Misinai. Arla, it's weighty. Hainu Deshanin Lain Bein Safik Arla Safik Ilayim. That's why we have a difference between Safik Arla, which is weightier, and Safik Ilayim, which is more lenient. What's the difference? Nan Safik Arla. Here, what do you do if you have a doubt whether something is Arla? Baaretz, if it's in the land of Israel, Uster, because it's Safik Deoraisa. Okay, Besuria. Surya, which are the lands like, you know, right, 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 juxtaposing to the land of Israel where maybe uh, David Amelech conquered and so on and have some Jorabanan status of Kedusha Seret Yisrael. So Mutter, we're lenient if there's a doubt. Okay, so even in Surya, because it doesn't have a, a real status of Eretz Yisrael. But Chutzars, if it's even further away from the land, not only is Suffolk Orla permissible, but Yored Velokeach, you can go into the uh, orchard there and buy from the farmer, um, even though you know that the farmer, that he has some trees that are Orla and some that are not. It's not 100% Orla, but you go down and you buy from him and uh, you can, uh, you're locate as long as you don't directly see him taking from the Orla tree. You can sort of almost, it's, it's sort of like the Vatli Nisr Right? You can, yeah, you can like close your eyes, go pick from a tree, I'm not going to look which tree you're picking from, and then he comes back and then you buy from him. You know, don't ask, don't tell, as long as I have some doubt, I'm okay. That's Orla, okay? Now how about Kilayim? Now that seems lenient enough, but let's compare it to Kilayim. You have a vineyard that has some, you know, vegetables growing nearby. It's got some barley growing nearby. Yeah, well, different than the vineyard, okay? The vineyard and the vegetables is a Kilayim. And then right there, you've got a whole big thing by the side of the highway, a whole big vineyard with some barley patches. And right at the edge of the highway, you've got somebody with a little vegetable stand selling barley. 
Okay? <laughs> so it's a pretty reasonable assumption that the barley came from the vineyard and is kilayim. This is in Chutzaret. Okay? The Aretz Asr, don't buy that barley in... I said barley. I'm sorry. I keep saying barley. I meant to say broccoli. I don't know why I'm saying barley. Anyway, uh, I mean, probably would be true about barley, true. Anyway, you got some broccoli and asparagus being sold right by the highway stand, right near the vineyard. And it's growing there. You also see patches of it growing with the vineyard. So, okay, the Aretz Asr, and actually shall don't buy for the uh, broccoli and the asparagus. The Surya Mutter, and Surya you're allowed to, and the Chutzalaret, you're able to locate Ubevachelu Yilkot Biyad. In Chutzalaret, you can see actually the, now the non go and you can now not you pick you observe him picking it as long as you don't pick directly now that sounds crazy that sounds a simple shot of that is that it sounds like even if you see him picking the kilayim and you know it's 100% kilayim as long as you didn't pick it it's okay kilayim so, meaning broccoli that was nourished by asparagus soil yeah well actually it's here it's growing with the vineyard yeah so just it's, uh, I just guess so the, it, if you hear the key more is that's growing together with the vine. Okay? Right. So anyway, so this sounds, so whatever is going on here, the Gemara makes it sound like it's a level of suffake. Okay? Rashi sort of says later that uh, if you look, um, that, but anyway, that, that you didn't pick directly, so, and you didn't, you know, but, 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 but uh, so as long as there's some doubt for you, it certainly seems that it's something that's even more obviously a problem, and nevertheless it's okay. So he says, I understand why. I think that they're both, that, that one is Allah Chalamosha Misinai, the Arla, so we're a little stricter, that, you know, and here, where the Kilayim is rabbinic, we're even more lenient. El Lidach, but according to you, Nisni Ozev Yorid Velokeach, Ozev Yorid Velokeach. According to you, if they're both Rabbanan, I mean, Arla, when you say Hilchusa Medina, that sounds like it's even weaker than a Rabbanan. So then they should both have the same, the same standards. Why are there different standards? Okay, so we did that a little quickly. We'll pick up with that tomorrow. But the basic point is, in both cases, Suffolk is Mutter. Not only is a Suffolk Mutter, but even almost like a willful ignorance is Mutter in both cases. But nevertheless, it seems like Kilayim is even more lenient than Arla. So if you say Arla, Talach Lamoshe Misinai, and Kilayim is Durabanan, you can understand the different levels. But if you say they're both Durabanan, Hilchosa means Hilchosa Medina, then how do you explain why there are different levels of how lenient we are in cases of Suffolk? Okay, so to be continued tomorrow.